I think that's the one thing the FDA does have going for itself is they're like, all right, you can't just rename this shit to be like all natural, blah, blah, blah. Like you've got to say if it's fucking like Coromoxodethlamol or something like that. You Dude, Coromoxodethlamol? Yeah. Oh, it's, I, it's, I'm, way, I'm way into it's that. It's my album name. <laughs> The Gearbuds episode 181. Yeah, dude, a little palindrome episode. Ooh, love a drone. Love a drone. Gearbuds podcast episode 181. My name's Henry. His name's Dave. Hello. We don't have hats on today. No hats. Good I got hair a haircut. Today. We good both hair have good hair days. And uh, let's and, do the And thing. matching black sweats, I might add. Black joggies. I should I could throw on some white sneaks if Good. you wanted. Um, yeah. yeah, we actually do look quite a bit like we each first, other. In we this look situation. like we could pose in a band photo today. At this, yeah, we're set up to, but like a, like a DJ group or something. Yeah, not, we're not. Little, we don't look like a rock band. Yeah. <laughs> we're definitely both a little douchier. <laughs> and uh, I'm excited to be sitting here with you, bud. You making too, man. this episode 181 of the Gearbuds podcast that we're doing here. Uh, let's just dive in. Symphony of Corrections. Here's your weekly reminder. Cables are tone tubes. And thank you for listening. Thank you for doing all the stuff, following us on the stuff. You can go ahead and subscribe or email us, gearbudspodcast at gmail.com. And if you reach out, we'll shout you out, you know. And uh, maybe go buy that stupid guitar you talk about every week in the Gearbuds shop at, on Reverb, bud. What do you think? So I, I, I dropped the price by $1 this week. Oh, that's cool. Eight ninety nine. Does that give it like a bump? It or does. Yeah, yeah, then it's like, look. hey, look, he's because I have already significantly dropped the price from where so it started. Funny. So then that just like reminds And people. it shows the original price above the old. Oh, it sure so does. It's just $1. Playing the game, baby. But make an offer, you know? Come on, guys. Yeah, the ball button's there. Uh, let's see. What do we got? Oh, speaking of uh, Reaver, man, uh, where was the feed this week? Yeah, feed was down. Feed down. I was losing my damn mind. Dave was so freaked out about this, folks. So I don't know if people know, but like in between projects and just when I need to rest my brain, I just click on my reverb feed and just refresh. And, and tell people, how do you have your feed set up? What do you have in there that's, that's oh, refreshing? Um, are you following shops? Are you following searches? Just searches. Following, yeah, yeah, just search. I mean, I have a few shops that I'm following, but, um, you know, obviously CME, I think Rock and Roll Vintage I follow. But Get yourself a little bonfires vintage, a little, little PTD yep, they're on there. And then, um, you know, I follow basses, I follow tube amps, I follow vintage mm-hmm. stuff, you know, keywords and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it was down for like two and a half days for a while there. Yeah, it was freaking me out, man. Uh, the weird thing that was playing tricks on me was I couldn't sleep the other night. So I was like up at like, I don't know, three in the morning or something. And I was it was working. And then the next morning, it, it was the same stuff that I saw at three in the morning. So I didn't know if I was like still dreaming or what was going on. <laughs> But it was playing with my brain a little bit. You've, you've got Dream Feed. Yeah, I do have Dream Feed, dude. That sounds like uh, that sounds like an old piece of software. It does. And uh, ooh, oh, did you see Nancy Wilson selling stuff on Reverb, Mm-mm. including like the Barracuda SG that she Whoa. that was the guitar she played live for years. It's like some seventies SG. Oh, uh, I think I did see that. Actually, and it's got a giant marine sticker on the back yeah <clears throat> because yes. her pops was a marine and she would salute during that song I, cool. I didn't know any of that didn't but that uh, she's selling that shit i uh, think maybe this week so maybe if you've got some cash to throw at a cuda is it expensive as the bad brain stuff uh, it, none of the prices were it the show the shop wasn't up yet. oh it's not you know, okay. it's just it's coming keep an eye out dude also we we're actually talking about this uh, not the sale but we we're talking about rack mount apollos made by universal audio they're doing this pretty awesome deal right now where if you buy one and this isn't an ad. This is just a good looking out for folks. Uh, you get 
the Townsend Labs Sphere L22 mic, which we've actually covered years ago on this show. And uh, that's a normally normally a fourteen ninety nine product right there, fifteen hundred bo- bones. So uh, yeah, if you're thinking about buying a freaking Apollo rack, now is the best time I've seen. <clears throat> I'm getting choked up about you're it. You're not off a clamped over there. Yeah, I'm. I, uh, I'm. If I could, if I had a reason to buy one, I'd buy one for sure. And those mics are crazy. They're if you're if you don't remember, they're uh, modeling mics where they've got the software plug-in built-in that's deal where you right. can just like switch it around with all sorts of different types of circuits and then even do it in post and yada yada that's it's, amazing yeah it's really it's yeah. a really dope piece of gear so oh uh digitech news Dodfather news did you see nope they made up they made a post on instagram for the first time in quite a while and it was uh you've awakened the beast dude it was a clip of the blues brothers okay and is the them getting the band back together okay and so the clip Digi- from the movie? Di- yeah, Digitech, Digitech is getting the band back together. All right, I'm in. I'll come to the show. I I I'm just so excited. I I, I was we were nervous when Digitech seemed to disappear, not be a company anymore. Yeah. We talked about it. I feel like we kind of cracked the lid off that one a little bit. And I feel like there. the prices have come down just a hair on some of the Digitech. You think yeah. now that they're now that we know that whammies are going to be for sale again, you don't have to buy them up and scoop droves. them up, <laughs> uh, dude. Uh, but I feel like honestly, I just want to say I feel like they missed a prime pun opportunity with this if the if, if you're if you're bringing digitech and dot dod and freaking blues brothers into it i feel like it should have been a mission from dodd oh man but the, and that would That's work good, even dude. better in type so f- we'll send that guys one to you guys just use it uh oh this is i'm something i'm very excited about it's it's actually kind of a, an update on, a, on something we've talked about previously on the show and, and if you i don't know if you remember this we'll see if you do the uh, so I don't honestly I couldn't even tell you what episode it was, but I was on this mission where I got a bug up my butt about the John Bryan album Meaningless and how I couldn't find it anywhere and had to buy like a, this that like weird pressing of it on compact disc yeah. from Amazon and it like, right. wasn't even it the was like right a printed album. track list and stuff. Yeah, yeah right uh, and you know I was just like. Not understanding why I like not even on MP3 services or anything I couldn't download it nothing like that. Well, it turns out that album never actually was properly released. John Bryan only ever put it out himself. Recently, I read an article on Vulture.com, which was very good, about uh, John Bryan and how he now, 20 years after it came out in 2001, or I guess now it's going to be more than 20 years, but it's like they're celebrating 20th anniversary, uh, they're doing a, an official physical release of that record that I very tried cool. to hunt down. And uh, and I think he even sort of, I don't think he remixed it, but it might be remastered as well. What are they releasing it on? Uh, in terms of uh, like, like format? platforms, yeah. I You know, I'm not exactly sure, but I would imagine they're going to do the Spotify, whole shebang. Yeah, yeah. It, it didn't, you know, the article didn't really specify that. Uh, I, and, and obviously if it's on vinyl, I'm going to buy it because it's yeah. just an album that I've loved for a long time. Uh, here's a couple, I, from reading this article, there are a couple of things that I didn't know, or maybe I forgot, but either way I figured bring them up. Uh, he played, you know, that fucking super tasty slide guitar on the song one headlight yeah. by Wallflowers. Yeah. That's our friend, John Bryan playing that no part. Shit. Also, if you're familiar with the song criminal by Fiona Apple, yes. uh, that like the keyboard, which is a Chamberlain, uh, that's, that's also John Bryan. No, there are a bu- a bu- I mean, and, yeah, there were a bunch of things like that, that I didn't even realize. I had no idea. Yeah. Uh, but it's finally getting the official release. So I'm, I'm just so stoked, but there was actually, there was a, a, a quote from this that I, it's kind of long. I want to read it. Cause it was pretty good. He says, sometimes you're working with somebody and they've written, uh, 
a really tough batch of stuff and writing was their therapy. They're in a better place by the time you're working with them, and you'd be and you'd be surprised how jovial the environment can be. It's not like what you'd see in the movies; these horrible musician biopics. This is the dark period, and you go into the studio, and it's all tears and candles and having a séance, and pe- people usher the artist <laughs> away from the microphone in an inconsolable state, like the end of a James Brown show. More often, it's going to be fuck. What should we have for dinner? Yeah. And it takes an hour to figure that out. That's closer to the truth than any of these movies will ever get. Now, the thing that happened to the person that made them write that song, that communicates a feeling to you. That's the movie of their life. The act of writing about it is the therapy session and the private cry. Wow. Yeah. I I've, I've thought that was quite appropriate considering how much time we focus on biopics yeah. and such in this. Yeah. Dude, that's so show. funny. Because yeah. um, you're right. They They never... I mean, and I get it. It's a movie. Like you want it, you want to make it interesting for everybody. Mm-hmm. So the writing part would really only be interesting, maybe to like the people who are also musicians or exactly. also songwriters. But yeah, then it's like the drama around it and stuff. You like kind of yeah, it's it's like how it, when you have a book and turn it into a movie, you have to combine a, a bunch of scenes into one scene to yeah. sort of be able to even tell have enough time to tell the story. Right. I think it's kind of the same thing. It's like they're combining the recording and the writing into one thing. Yeah one yeah. emotional thing yeah plus it's a you know it's a release to like write a song especially if it's been like you know crawling up your yep. back you know so crawling, crawling around in you uh dude we gotta talk about something <clears throat> oh is this a gfi or a bfi take a little sip what the fuck is going on at well-strung guitars dude i i keep saying man they have a time machine i don't understand how almost every day they make some other post that's like, yeah. oh, yeah, here's this one of one 1960 Gibson SG special that was a prototype that doesn't have any bevels on it. It's wild. Yeah. Or here's a custom color uh, Fender 12 in like, you know, they made three of them or something like that. Or the one that I just learned about a couple days ago. I think we might have even been texting about it. We definitely were. The uh, Ghost Finish. Yes. The Fender Telecaster <laughs> with... It was when you look at it, it's just, it just looks sort of like a blonde telly, right? Yeah. It's vintage, so it's obviously aged. Uh, but when you put it under freaking black lights, it's got like goofy flower paintings flowers and flowers and there. swirly dudes. Dude, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what's going on with these guys because and here's here's the thing. I don't think I don't think they have um, they may, but I don't think they have a, like a reverb store or a lot of their stuff on reverb because if you go yeah, to their website, so. they don't post prices. Oh, absolutely not. Which, so they don't want to give, because on Reverb, you have to post a price. Mm -hmm. So I kind of get where they're coming from there. But the amount of money they must spend to buy all these guitars from people, I don't know where they're finding this shit. It doesn't, I don't, I, they're, it's unobtainium guitars that shouldn't exist. Dude, we are fans of CME. They have a lot of great guitars. Oh, amazing. There are amazing, Groons, there's amazing guitar places around the United States. To me, this place has the most, the best collection of original vintage guitars anywhere in the U.S. Maybe the world. (laughs) I am at a loss for words. At Custom this point. colors. I mean, they don't have a lot of stuff that's like, oh, strip finish player instruments. At least that they advertise. No, right? Yeah, that's not what they're posting on the gram. They are posting everything original. Time and machine. Beautiful shit. photography, by the and way. And everything's in like really good condition. It's so clean. They Almost only too clean. have the cleanest stuff. That's why we think it's a time machine. It's got to be. So, <laughs> just let us let us go back with you a couple times. Did they please? Did they? Maybe they they got a bunch of stuff in like a big estate sale or a big haul from like a rock star or something, and they're only releasing stuff like a little bit at a time just to keep people like following their their shop. Maybe 
It's like how the De Beers company has like 90% of the world's diamonds and then hidden like, underground and they only di- release 10% to keep the prices where they are. A lot like that. They've got a De Beers vault is what you're telling me. Dude, I mean, if we ever go to New York, we're going over there. There's no question. I have to it's I feel like it's it's my Mecca. It's it's where I it's where I to make a pilgrimage. I feel the draw towards Wellstrong. The craziest thing is like it's not this big like conglomerate of like these like rich people. I mean, I assume it's just a I think it's a dad and his daughter that run the whole shop, yeah. I'm pretty sure. So it like it seems like it. That's fucking awesome, dude. So well strong, man. Well we're coming strong. We're gonna come fear some shit out freaking with Or get him maybe we can get him on the horn and do an interview bone or and something. Hand. Something. I would love to out eat something. We got to go over there. Uh, you know what? I've I've been writing some. I've been keeping up with the random tone thoughts. Okay. And I just wrote one. I wrote one down that I'm just going to share with you. I like this new. This segment. is random tone thoughts with Henry. My favorite amps are big, powerful tube amps with headroom. And I also really like small tube amps designed to be small amps Mm. but i do not like small amps designed to sound like big amps Ooh, interesting what would what would an example of that (sighs) any of these amps where it's like here's our 100 watt amp in a 5 watt head version Oh, so like maybe it started like with something a, else. Yeah, where it's like a mini JCM or a mini right. rectifier or any literally insert any because they're all ma- everyone makes them. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. Interesting. So, what would be an example of a small amp like a Fender Champ or something like that? To me, small amp goes up to the Balthazar Cabaret Thirteen sitting right there. Right, that's the top of what I would consider to be a small amp mm. because it is quite loud, but also it. You know, it, at a certain point, it's it doesn't have that headroom anymore of like a you know a fifty watt or hundred watt amp. That's just right. not what it is. It's just not what it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. That is supposed to be a thirteen watt amp. That actually, in my it's still to my my ears, punches above thirteen weights. But regardless, that's that's not the point. I agree with the statement. I would put your AC fifteen at the bottom of medium amp. Yeah, yeah, it's it's heavy because there are ranges that we're talking about with mm. these things. Yeah, and then yeah, up to I mean there are. I would consider usually up to like 30 watts, maybe the sort of top end, 30, 35 watts, depending on what the amp is. Sometimes mm-hmm. for, there's some 40 watt amps I play, but that would be what I'd consider the top of the medium. And then anything above that is a big amp. Gotcha. You know? Yeah. And often, you know, uh, when you look at them, the way that they do it is that it, if it's an EL 34 amp, they'll just put EL 84s in the power section, or if it's a, 6L6, I'll put 6V6s, and uh, I. It's just, uh, it's just never, it's never what I want. It's never, it doesn't ever work. You for found me. your, uh, you found your niche there. I did. Nice. That was t- random tone thoughts with Henry. Okay. Like uh, one more thing, I wanted to ask you this question because it came into my mind, and I'm curious to hear your thoughts on it mm-hmm. before we get, before we leave the symphony today, folks. Sure. Is there something that you want to like or have tried to like? can't or won't or don't hmm. i'll give you some time to think about it because i actually have an example the, what what made me want to ask you the question is that i actually realized i have one of these myself so i'll tell you what mine is, is it a piece of gear that we own or have just tried well it's just a it's a it's a anything to do with playing your instrument or playing music sure okay and give me an example of yours mine that i realized that i've tried to like and actually want to like but 
still do not ultimately and prefer the alternative is a wraparound tailpiece. You know, like we're talking about tailpiece that has also a quote unquote bridge could be as crude as just a straight little bar across could be, you know, even adjustable. Uh, I still have never ever liked those as much as any guitar that has just like even a fender style bridge. But of course I'm a, I'm a tunomatic guy at heart. So would like a like a fifty two Les Paul have a wraparound? Fifty two is a wraparound. Yeah, they fi- they fix that right quick. Yeah, they did. You know, for good reason. Interesting. Interesting. And and there's still a lot of guitars that sell that, and some people do really like that. I mean, it's it's kind of like the even if you got get like a junior or something like a single pickup kind of guitar, you'd see that a lot a lot of times with a, just a wraparound tailpiece on there. Uh, and it's a thing and it's people like that, but I just, I'm, I'll tell you friend, I've tried to like it. I think it's, I think it's a tough look. I actually almost prefer the look more. Oh, I like the look just yeah. in terms of actually playing and intonating and all that stuff, man, give me a, it has a cool, like, like a day. primitive look to it, you know, oh, like, well, it, it is early. Yeah. But that's, what's neat about it. Yeah. It's like, Oh, it's not. Um, but yeah, that's wow. Is that's there anything hard. that you've ever had like that where you're just like, Oh, I think that's cool. I want to get into that. And you just like, Oh man, don't dig it. I don't know. That's a really hard question, man. <laughs> I might have to come back next week with yeah. something for you, dude. Yeah, come prepared with a little, I will. little thing. I mean, I've got gear, you know. I've got stuff that I've that I've got that I didn't end up liking. Yeah. Like, um, I'll just just to play along for now, but I, this is probably a bad answer. But like, active pickups on bass, I've never been a big fan of. Not yeah. that you know, but it's not really like the style that I use. Right. And they just don't sound alive enough for me. They kind of have like a electronicy sound in a way. So yeah, it's 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 a thing. It's a specific thing, hmm. and so maybe it's not your specific thing. Like I'm, this this could be going towards where I'm going. I want to put a pickup in the LGO, or if I get another, like, yeah. another acoustic, and uh, LR bags is probably the brand I'm going to go mm-hmm. with because I I've heard them and I like them. Dude, the M1 is the M1 is great, pickup. but is that an active pickup? They have a pass. They have, they both have an a passive because I know they have version, passive yeah. versions. Yeah, and so what I really want to find is a passive pickup for that because I think the active is going to change my sound and I'm not going to really enjoy it sounding different than it does to my ear. You know? Well, the, uh, the difference is that basically if you use that, your a passive pickup is still going to have to go into an active preamp or direct right. box. And the guitar, uh, when you have the active preamp on the guitar, it just puts the active preamp on the guitar instead of like, like I, I have the LR bags, uh, whatever, the exact thing that we're talking. What is it called? Oh, the paraacoustic DI. Yeah, you're going to need to get a, a active DI to boost the signal of that passive pickup mm. to make it go work with the stuff that you. So want that's it why to the do. active pickup for, just a, for an acoustic is pops just it right all in there. Oh, maybe that would be the way to go. Then. I feel like it might be. Yeah, I would probably go. I mean, my guitar, my uh, Martin has a um, yeah, rare, you the rare earth, um, oh, the, the Fishman rare earth, which is. Uh, I think every they're they're very similar in terms of how much I like them. They're, I don't yeah. think they sound exactly the same, but the, I like both those pickups a lot. That's a passive pickup, so that's the reason I have that box is so that when I run it into stuff, I can like you know properly amplify it and do all that kind of hmm. thing. Yeah, yeah, it's tough, man. I'll have to get you a better answer for next week, but I like that question. Yeah, I like that a lot, folks. If you've got the answer for yourselves, let us know. Is there something you you want to like or have tried to like, but you don't like for you? I mean, I was thinking of one for you. What do you got? You're not a strat guy. 
But yeah. I think you kind of dig the look. I mean, who doesn't love a nice early '60s Strat the way it looks? And yeah, yeah. I, I like most things. I'm, I've gotten to a point where I really only like the cool vintage ones, right? Yeah, just because they're cool and vintage. But I would, I have no, no desire unless I like was fully fuck you rich and had every other guitar I wanted already. Then I'll be like, yeah, I'm not going to kick right. a '54 straight out of bed. Right. But I, I have. But it's, it's like not the tone like something I'm or after, or just the way they play, or what? Like I don't like how they play. Yeah. yeah. Right. I've I've played so many strats and amazing ones and owned a number of them and played one on stage for a couple of years actually to like try to force myself to like it. Right. Right. And yeah, it just, it never became my thing. So I guess, yeah, strats and wraparound tailpieces. You found, you found a lot of two for me. <laughs> Let's get both on the same guitar I for you. Dude, I, oh yeah. Speaking of, I, the guy uh, I saw f- for anybody who doesn't regular, regularly watch my Instagram feed, I uh, went to see uh, Psychedelic Porn Crumpets at Empty Bottle last night, and the, they're a three-guitar band. And one guy played a Powercaster, one guy played, which is like that, hybrid jazz master kind of less poly kind of thing that they made oh, a little, for a little bit I don't where it's like it's got like a jazz master neck pickup and a humbucker in the bridge and i think it's like a tunematic fender makes bridge something? they did they okay. don't anymore yeah and then the other guy played what looked to be like an old 70s like kind of sg that doesn't have any binding or anything on it but he had a okay. big view which is cool and then the lead singer played two different jazz masters except and i wasn't i mean i was close because the empty bottle's not that big but like i wasn't all the way up front so yeah. i couldn't exactly see the headstock they looked like they were older next to me both of the bodies, one had a straight up tunematic style bridge on it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so rather than the like the Jazzmaster bridge, which is like the separate, uh, you know, almost harmonica shaped thing, and then you've got like the big honking metal piece underneath it, didn't have any of that. It just had a tunematic. It didn't look like it was refinished or anything. Mm-hmm. And then his other one, almost I couldn't tell what it was, but it looked like, and this is what triggered the thought, it looked like a wraparound, almost wraparound style like small hardtail strat bridge on there yeah but they're both fender headstocks and they both said jazz master and i wasn't i'm very unclear that's what's happening i'm really thinking he might have had like custom bodies made they seem like the kind of band that would just have like custom shit anyways yeah um i think i thought of mine actually what is it oh yeah well i don't i I have a more specific answer and then i think i might have a general answer which which is kind of i don't want to be offensive here but uh I, look, I've owned one, and I only own one. You don't like white dudes. <laughs> white dudes. I hate white dudes. <laughs> uh, no, dude, Fender Jaguars. I really want a Jaguar. I had oh, one. Oh yeah, you got a sick one. I had a really nice '65, and I don't, I don't know. Wait, can we press pause for a second? You just saying that really triggered me. Yeah. You know what really fucking bothers me when people? I, this happens on the forum all uh, forums all the time, where. People will talk about like my 65, but they're talking about a reissue yeah. and not the original. Yes. But not a vintage. Like when people refer to like my guitar as like my 65, but they're talking about a oh, reissue, yeah. no. that really, really chafes my ween. Yeah. It's because, well, they, because they did make the like the AVRI 65, like, like, you know. Yeah. And, hash and I don't like I have, I have reissue guitars. Yeah. Like I'm not mad about that existing. I'm just saying, just like if I was going to talk about it, someone would be like, oh, my 62 reissue. Sure. I wouldn't say my 62. My 62. People do that a lot. That's what I'm saying. Anyway. That grinds my gears. Real grinds my gears. Uh, no, this was a real 1965. Dave owned a real 1965 yes. Jaguar and yes. it was a beautiful guitar. Original guitar that's, except for the that's finish. That's all. And it was awesome and I missed playing it at home, but when I brought it to band practice, it just didn't. And to be fair, it was. I can't say this for all of them because Paul had one that was really nice and I think I liked that, but I had this one and I just, but then I was starting to think about it. I think I know what it might be, dude. What? 
might be the scale. You don't I might like not like the short scales, dude. And then I started thinking to myself, and I'm like, I have a short scale bass at home, and I don't love it. But that's also because you have the, your other bases are yeah. the ba- the best bases. Well, and I would I would use it. Yeah, if it was a tool and I had to use it as a tool, it'd be great. But like, and it's fucking fretless. It's fretless. It's a little wacky. Um, but I love I love your EB two. So yeah, like, that's that, a difference. But that doesn't feel short scale to me. It doesn't. It, it feels really shorter, doesn't. but it doesn't feel short. scale. Not like Fender short no. scale ish. Um, or EBO like you know they just. So yeah, I think I think my gripe right now is like a little short scale action. But yeah, Fender Jaguar because I keep sending yeah. them to you, and I'm like, I like this guitar. I really like it. I, I've got. I've I want to spend four thousand dollars on this, and then it's like I'm not even gonna like it. Yeah. So there, there's my answer. I think. Jaggies, love it. <sighs> you know what my answer is? Until you get your freaking notes out. Notes. Get your, get your freaking notes, notes out, David. It's time for you to talk to us about a movie. That you watched about a movie. It's Dave's Docs. If we ever do a Dave's Docs shirt that says Dave's Docs on the front and the back's going to say, get your notes out. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure you say it every episode, so they go hand in hand. Um, it's funny you brought up biopics. Uh, is it funny? Yeah, it or is. Or is it in fucking intentional, buddy? Well, I don't know. Oh, I don't know either. Yeah. What, do you, what did you watch? Know. You read my mind. I love it. You know, I felt like it this week. I was like, ah, docs, are, they just get so deep sometimes. <sighs> sometimes it's fun to watch a movie. And I will say this. I didn't know this movie existed. What is it? And it just came out of nowhere. I watched the Def Leppard story, Hysteria. Oh, yes. Now, now I watched this years ago. This is 2001 not, movie. Yeah, it's an old movie. It's an old movie. Um, and I will say this. I, you know, if, for, the, for the true fans out there who've listened to every fucking episode, I did cover an Amazon documentary about the making of, I think it was Pyromania. It was, yeah, one of their big. Pyromania or Hysteria. It, was one of it might have been Hysteria, actually. I yeah. Think. yeah. But this is the full story, at least up until the point where, like, I mean, they still play as a band, but, like, it was, it was the good years. It was, they like, get, the first they, three records. They cover the arm thing. They do. And not only do they cover the arm thing, they start with the arm thing. Yeah. They start with uh, the drummer racing his Corvette against a Jaguar for some reason. I didn't realize it was a Corvette. Yeah, he had like a early '80s black Corvette. Pretty, pretty sweet car for the time. Like what C five? Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know the model. Four thing. maybe back then. I don't know. Yeah, Anyways. it was with the big like disc wheels on it and stuff, and the flippy headlights, just like oh, but all sleeked out. Pop up headlights. It almost looked like you know like the Night Rider car or something yeah. like that. Anyways, um, yeah, they start with him. He's racing this Jaguar. He's doing poppers. He's got his girl in the passenger seat. Car crashes, then they just go seven years before, yeah. and then it starts with the movie. Um, working in a te- working in just like a blue collar town, industrial yep. town. Yeah, Sheffield. Sheffield. Sheffield, England. What do they? What does the accent sound like in Sheffield, England? David? All right. All right, I'm from Sheffield, in it. Actually, it was very hard to understand between the qual. Okay, I will say this: it's on YouTube, so you can find it. There's two versions. If you dig deep enough, you can find the one without. Dutch subtitles. I would recommend watching that because they get very distracting. <laughs> There's embedded Dutch subtitles in one of them, and it's really distracting. So I, I did, I was able to find a full length on YouTube, um, without the subtitles. So that was cool. But I would, I would also say it would be nice to have English subtitles because it's really hard to understand oh, what they're saying dear. to each other. So it's a very British movie. Oh, ball though. But guess who plays? Um, guess who plays Mutt Lang? Mutt Lang, the famous producer who, who produced plays their, Mutt Lang? their second record and their third record. I'm gonna I'm just gonna throw out a wild guess. I'm gonna go uh It's he was a big eighties actor. Huge eighties oh. actor. Big eighties actor. John Hughes movies. 
Uh, Amelia Westavez. Close. Wait, let me get one more guess. Yeah. Mm. Very close. Charlie Sheen. No. Oh, well, I think I mean I thought you were thinking like his brother, Anthony Michael Hall. Oh, Anthony Michael Hall. Two thousand one, wow. Anthony Michael Hall. Oh wow! So that's uh, kind of funny. The right, yeah, I was going the wrong direction. So there's, you know, I'm not going to get in like the whole background of it. It's a fun movie. Mm-hmm. Um, they went through many members early on. You know, like their first guitar player was like. There's a scene where they're like they're kind of starting to get some fame. You know, and he's like he walks off the stage during the other guitar player's solo. To like grab a bottle and just start drinking vodka on the side of the stage. And the you know, singer comes over, he's like, dude, what are you doing? Like, we're in the middle of like the song. And you're just like chugging vodka on chugging the side. Chugging vodka. Of the stage. So he got fired. Um, that's you know, just don't do that. Was the actor who portrayed mm. um Phil Collin yeah. super ripped? No. Okay. No, he was kind of a skinnier guy. That's, uh, he, he, he was shreds, lean. but man, he he's still he's jacked just in like real life. Fucking jacked, like big jacked. Yeah, he's like a smaller guy, but he's he's definitely like. I mean, I've seen of the probably fifty or so things I've watched him in over the years. Uh, I would say maybe ten of those times he's had a shirt on. Oh, nice. Yeah. Well, I'm actually more of a Steve Clark fan myself. Oh, okay. Steve Clark. So Phil Collin was more of like the technical guy. Yeah. And Steve Clark was the heart guy. You're and totally so, the heart guy. So, and they talk about this, which I kind of love. And they refer to themselves as the Terror Twins, because when they get together, well, they were a drinking and they were a partying. <laughs> so the Terror Twins come out. Um, there's some fun, you know, uh, scenes in the movie. There's there's a scene where that kind of I'm thinking of like what stood out to me, where the singer is doing um, what was their first hit? Fucking bringing on the heartache, right? Oh, that's the first hit. Bring- so he goes he's like he's like literally like you're bringing on the heartache like better than that you know Mm -hmm. obviously but like lower lower octave oh and mutt's like sing it higher and he's like i don't want to he's like i can't sing it higher it's like all dramatic and he's like just sing it higher damn it (laughs) and he fucking nails it like right (laughs) away on the first take take, and it's so cheesy and then okay so then then mutt uh goes to the board right as he's playing it back and he just turns like a knob and these harmonies come out of nowhere. And I'm like, you didn't even record the harmonies yet. What are you doing? Like, it's so funny. And he's like, that's not me. And he's like, that's you. He's like, you guys are the players and I'm just here to like watch or something like, you know, some cheesy thing like that. So that was fucking awesome. Wow. I love cheesy movie recording studio love stuff. Love that. Which is kind of what we were talking about earlier. I know? would actually, I might even say I'd prefer that over them trying to fake it look super real yeah you know i would prefer them just go like as yeah i want the knob to literally be like a big like better or yeah like a big red yeah the better button yeah you have to flip over a a cover over the knob you have to flip a switch like in a fighter jet and then like yeah exactly nuclear weapons Um, and shit yeah well and actually i will say to their credit it they weren't performing live obviously the actors but they were they were playing the parts so you know, like when they were showing him, like it was, they were really, shred- yeah, yeah, his fingers were moving, like he could play the fucking guitar. So that's cool. It was cool, yeah. So they did a good job with that. I actually made a note. Did they? Uh, did they? I mean, I feel like you probably know Def Leppard well enough to to tell whether or not they were like using accurate ish instruments for them, right? Yes. What did you think about that? So, dude, so I will say this, and I kind of did this in my wrap up at the end, but the acting was okay, but the way they made the band look, because I was looking at photos of the band, oh, I was, yeah. like just kind of scrolling through my phone, checking it out. They looked almost identical. The outfits, even for like the videos and stuff, were identical. The instruments were damn close. Like Kramer guitars. They used a lot of Kramer yeah. Explorer body style guitars. Oh, yeah. 
um, which I'll go through the gear list. Dude. Oh, There's yeah. a lot of gear. Um, yeah, it was it was well done as far as the thought they put into it. So I can appreciate that. Cool. And I think that's why I, like, I'm happy about it. Like It wasn't like a bummer. It wasn't like the... Uh, you know the the Andre three thousand Jimi Hendrix movie, mm. which was fucking terrible. Um, oh yeah, and by the way, do they use real music? Like, so they like is yep. it? It's not like re-recordings. It's just like the yeah. they play the real song. Yeah, they play like the real song from the track. Yeah, yeah you can tell, and it's obviously like lip syncing and all that stuff. But it was um, it was really good though, man. Like you know, it was just kind of a cool dynamic of the band. There's a lot gets into it with like you know, uh, Phil Phil ends up being like a total alcoholic. He wakes up and he bought a. He wakes up, the car is like crashed in the front yard and it's uh, it's the singer's car. And so the singer's like, what the fuck, man? You crashed my car. And he's like, what? And he wakes up and he's wearing a watch and it has the price tag and it's 15,000 quid. <laughs> and he doesn't remember buying it. And he's like, I think I need to stop drinking. <laughs> and, then, and then Steve's like, well, fuck you, man. I'm not stopping drinking. You can do whatever you want. And then he actually, you know, he passes right. away later, like uh, five years after after the movie. So 91, I think. But um, but they they really captured like the the fun good bits of the band like, you know obviously the hotel party you know kind of like the Motley Crue style trash yeah. the hotel room do cocaine girls all that stuff, um, this is crazy they actually said this, so Steve's drinking got bad until they put him in rehab, check this out um and I think this is probably a true stat just judging by the the rest of the way the movie was, when John Bonham died he had a point four five alcohol content. Mm-hmm. Um, 0.08 is the legal limit. Yeah, 0.45 is almost like it, you, there's m- almost as much alcohol as water. Yeah, uh, he had 0.54. Holy shit! Content. So he ended up in the hospital. It's a crazy scene. He, like coughs up blood and like falls on the floor. It's like really dramatic. They you know drag him to the hospital and all this. Um, we can get into the one arm drum thing if you yeah, want to a little bit. Let's do it. It it kind of sounds like um, the drummer. You know, he was in the hospital. Basically, they tried to reattach his arm after the car accident. I always forget his name. Do you remember what his name Ian is? something. Rick. Sorry. Yeah. Rick. It's Rick. I, I didn't put their last names down for some reason. You're um, on a first name base. Yeah. You know, we're buds like that. Uh, yeah. So Rick, uh, he crashes his Corvette in this in this street race with this Jaguar sedan for some reason, which the Corvette probably would have smoked him. Mm-hmm. Uh, goes flying off a cliff. His girlfriend actually lived. He wakes, you know, he climbs out. His arm's missing. They find his arm, they reattach it in the hospital, and it it goes gangrene, and they have mm. to remove it. So, and they're basically like, if we don't take your arm Ugh. back off, we, it's going to spread to your body. You're going to die. So that was his his you know, which I never knew that whole story. I don't remember that at all. I'm yeah, assuming the movie's fairly horrible. close to what happened. So then he's like super depressed, and he's like, he's still in the hospital. He's like, all right, I'm going to start like, I'm just going to like start learning. Like he has this vision where Mutt Lang comes to him in his vision, and he's like, you know these songs. You can play these songs. He's like, hi hat, hi hat, Sarah, Tom, Tom. Like he's like kind of talking him through this mm-hmm. part, and he starts like visualizing the song and how he would do it with one arm. And then the guys come in and he's like, you know, they're about to fire him basically. And he's like, guys, I'm gonna be the drummer of the band still. And he, they're like, wait, you know, okay, yeah, sure, man, whatever. And they leave, you know, and they're like, oh, okay, I'm sure you are, bud. Yeah. And then so he basically what he comes up with, and I never really knew the details about this. He came up with a trigger system mm-hmm. where his left foot is controlling the right arm. His his left arm was the one that got cut off. But the trigger system No, that's right. It's controlling the left arm, like the snare hand, basically. Okay. Yeah. So the trigger with his left foot he's using to control snare fills and mm-hmm. stuff like that. 
And he developed it and he worked really, really hard. He had, because they had a lot of money at that point. Like they were already super famous when this all happened. That's got to be almost impossible to, to retrain your oh my God. brain and body to do that. I mean, most people would just completely give up. Yeah. And I remember this too from the documentary about that album. They, you know, he had to work for like, I think it was like six to nine months to like mm-hmm. really like be able to play on the record and stuff. And then when he performs live again, you know, it's this huge moment and it's everything's kind of cool. But, he trained on these pads and I mean, I'm thinking this is still early eighties, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe mid eighties, maybe 85 tops. Uh, you know, drum triggers weren't like a huge thing at that point. They, they existed, but they, the technology has certainly progressed right. since then. And you could tell like he had this, like he had this whole rack thing behind him and like, mm-hmm. he's got a sound guy there, like helping him. Like, like this is like at his home now, you know, he's trying to like learn and uh, it was, it was pretty cool, man. It was pretty fucking amazing, dude. So, and he's still playing drums with them today, I think. I think so too. I mean, according to the Rick, movie, is it Rick Allen? Twenty years old, Rick Allen. Is that right? Yeah, I think you're right. Hysteria, that record. Mm-hmm. Last thing I'll say, and then we'll get into some gear. Uh, they did take two years off when the whole accident thing happened and everything, so they hadn't played live in two years. So that big show back was like that's pretty. That's a pretty big deal. Yeah, uh, Hysteria went twelve times platinum. That's I can't unfathomable. I can't understand that. And their and their manager always said he said you're going to have a hit single on your first record. Your second one's got to have three or four hit singles, and your third one has to have seven. I couldn't name all the hit singles on every record, but I will say Hysteria, which was the third record. Or I guess you should say it was the fourth record. The first one they did was like before they found their sound Mm -hmm. and stuff. Um, but yeah, 12 times platinum. I mean, that's unfucking hurt. Yeah. It was like, every, I think uh, like every song wound up being a single yeah. or something like that. Yeah. It was like over seven. That's in, what? Yeah. It's crazy. People so, really wanted that much Def Leppard. They loved a Def Leppard was so huge, man. So wow. I kind of respect that. All right. You ready for some gear spots? I am. So I sent you a picture of this and we still don't know what it is, but I think oh, that weird, I think it's Ibanez-y an Ibanez uh, musician guitar. Yeah, it's very close to that. It still wasn't quite that. So the film started out with him wanting to be the guitar player in this band. Mm-hmm. And they're like, it's kind of funny. He's trying to play like Jimi Hendrix riffs on it, like Foxy Lady or something. And they're like, dude, you suck. Ugh. But then he starts singing along with the guitar. And they were like, hey, do that again. And he's like, oh, yeah. And he starts trying to play the guitar. And they're like, no, no, no. Don't ever do that again. <laughs> they're like, sing the part. So that's how he like became the singer or whatever. Um, okay, I'll go through these. Green Les Paul Studio was very prominent in the beginning. Uh, a late 70s Sunburst P. Um, and then Steve came in with a Cherry Gibson SG standard, like 61 style. Tell me, just to go back to the P. Yes. What What are the defining characteristics to you that you of like late see 70s that? P? that you, and you're like, I'm going to tell you that that's a late 70s P. Okay. Uh, late, so it was probably a 77, well, late 76 to possibly an 81. But at the time, the film was supposed to take place around 76, 77. Okay. Um, so what it is, it's the TV logo like on your 75. Yeah. But the letters are even smaller. Oh. They shrunk them down. So they're not big crazy um sans serif or serif font mm-hmm. they're a smaller sans serif font so they just changed it a little you could see that and then it was a black pick guard so you know it's later 70s yep. um it was a rosewood neck actually which was kind of cool it's funny when you sit when you when you said it i pictured a maple neck maybe yeah because i'm no picturing yeah mine. totally um because late 70s stuff is actually more rare to see rosewood but yeah hmm. that's what it was so um yellow kramer explorer style bass uh and then st- Steve at the time was playing a tobacco Les Paul standard, which was fucking awesome. Looking. That's awesome. Tobacco burst. Then the yellow Explorer style guitar came in, uh, a Karina, uh, Gibson flying V. Mm. There was a, a weird Dean Les Paul studio. Oh, this was weird. It had a Dean headstock, like the, like the two prong headstock, yeah. 
but it had the round back body of a Les Paul. Like the bottom of the guitar was round like a Les Paul. And then it had a sharper horn at the bottom. Yeah, I know, a single exact, cutaway I know totally is. what you're talking about. Such a weird guitar. No, not a big fan. And there's a funny scene where they're kind of like playing back and forth, him and, the, him and Phil, because Phil was a new guitar player at the uh-huh. time. And like Steve gets pissed and he throws it on the ground. <laughs> so they show it like really good on the ground. And I'm like, oh, that guitar's crazy looking. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, Black Kramer, more, more Kramer stuff, a lot of pointy headstocks. Um, Les Paul Studios. I didn't see. Yeah, I saw the one standard, and that was pretty much it. Oh, this is one that stood out funny to me later on, and you'll remember this from the video of Pour Some Sugar. Was the bass player had a wireless, like hands-free headset? Yes, like the McDonald's, like with the big uh, a puffy pop filter windscreen on there. Oh my god, dude, so funny! You know what they call those on like the bigger ones? What dead cat? Oh, yeah. like oh, like a big like um those boom like on a shotgun yeah type shotgun thing. thing. Yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Kind of does have that resemblance. Um, but anyways, yeah, I love the movie. Good attention to detail. Like I said, the band looked like they were playing stuff, so I think the actors did know how to play their instruments. Mm-hmm. Um, it was fucking awesome. I gave it eight and a half out of ten photographs. Oh, good. I was wondering what you were gonna go with. Check out that. Hysteria: The Def Leppard Story on YouTube for free. For free, but not with the Dutch. Not with the Dutch subtitles. subtitles. Just, just scroll a little further down in your search. Unless list. you happen to be listening from somewhere in the Netherlands yes, right now, and please. and you happen to want those subtitles, I'd say, uh, Auf Wiedersehen. And uh, <laughs> that's all I got. Uh, it's not uh, Dutch. All right, let's go. Future Gear, buddy. That let's was a talk. good one. Thanks. That was fun, thanks right? For, thanks for doing that. I, I, I think I love I love a good curveball. It's still there's in a the big world. one coming up next week that we did talk about last week. A big week. one. But uh, yeah, I just wasn't ready for it this week. Okay, so, yeah. sick. Next week will be cool. I still need to watch that Elvis movie. I keep it was good. I keep meaning it's to getting a lot of better. Put that, it is. It. Future Gear. Let's do some of that stuff. Uh, there's a bunch of stuff, so I'm gonna have to cut as always. But uh, let's get into it. I, and, and I'm gonna start by saying there's been a lot of Fender and Gibson news recently. The two big boys. I don't know what's happening with yeah. all that, but uh, Gibson this week. We'll start here. Announced. The Gibson pickup shop, which is a pretty big deal because for a long time you could sort of buy some of Gibson's pickups and let's not forget they've been making their own pickups that come in their own guitars forever. Yeah. Right. Since the beginning. Right. So it's pretty weird that they've never officially like had sold them in a package. Like you right. Buy like, these. Like, and you know, you could and through certain retailers, you could buy some Gibson pickups, but it was never really like much of a focus at all for them gotcha but they've decided to make it a focus and i think that's a good idea because they're doing this new thing gibson pickup shop and they'll have three different pickup styles they're called historic original and modern which i didn't realize this but they're they've also sort of reorganized their guitars into this historic original and modern categorization Ah, method okay yeah so the pickups good catch go along with that uh you know okay so Historic, that um, actually we'll, we'll come back to the historic because I think that's kind of the most interesting, frankly. Original is like the stuff that comes in most of the guitars that you get today, right? It's like uh, whatever the like comes in Les Paul standards and th- those types of things. That's going to be in the original connection collection. Modern is as you might expect, more sort of like higher gain ceramic pickups, not like vintagey sounding. More right. sort of like oh, and by the way. Um, modern uh 
in a, a modern is where you're going to find pickups that have four conductors. Anything that's in the original or historic is going to be two conductor because that's how they were. Classic. Yeah. And that's the thing. So these pickups, I guess they've, I didn't know this. They've used something called a meteor meteor M E three Oh one coil winding machine, which is made in Switzerland. Mm-hmm. And this is what they've always used. And cool. there's something about it. That's like, does if it, you're a pickup winder, it's super special it's and do it does it, yeah. the thing. And it's, uh, it's a historic winding machine. They've been using it since the fifties, but it also, there are certain attributes to it that I guess are better or different from other pickup winders. Okay. So that, that, that's something that. they've been focusing on. They also, I didn't know this either. They use, um, maple spacers inside the pickups, not plastic. And supposedly, and they've always done this, and that supposedly uh, reduces unwanted vibrations. I guess a lot of other pickup makers use plastic spacers, but they use maple. That's I don't know. Cool. I don't know if that actually matters at all, but that's what they're talking about uh, here. And again, so I, I think I, I sort of mentioned. I think historic that collection is the most interesting mm-hmm. because uh, it is the more the most expensive, but also the first time that we have been able to now purchase, not in a custom shop guitar, the custom buckers. And people love the Gibson custom buckers that come in their custom shop guitars only, but you've never been able to buy those, those haven't been on separately the market, ever. Right, right. And so now for the first time, you're only, or for the first time ever, you're gonna be able to buy these custom buckers. Cool. There's a few different ones, but you know, it's the, the main difference in that subcategory is I think just like the color of the uh, pickup covers, but it's pretty much just like humbuckers, P90s, whatever that's was the, that's yeah. pretty much they what they what they've always. Made. I was gonna say they never back in the day they didn't do like a single coil or something. Just like the that. P90s, yeah. The P90, I mean, and, right. and and of course, like let's not forget and that Seth Lover. There is a little bit of debate about this, but basically, Seth Lover in 1955 invented the humbucker. So mm. like Gibson invented the humbucker. It's like it's it's still strange to me, yeah, that they haven't really focused on this in any sort of real way until now. Yeah, I mean, I've heard of people. I guess putting Gibson pickups in their Epiphone. I was like, well, obviously they bought those at Guitar Center. Yeah, right, like exactly. That, right? So, or Sweetwater or whatever. And so. you could get like the 490R, 498T yeah. that comes in most of the sort of like standard line of Gibson these guitars are like or have. almost different from that then. These are special. These are, there. there's, you can still get those, mm-hmm. but there's also then, yeah, the, the, original collection which is more of like the vintagey kind of paf stuff and then the historic collection which you've never been able to get outside of a custom shop guitar. yeah that's fucking cool uh so do you want to guess or do should i just tell you the prices on these things um i think i remember because you sent me this article Word. so yeah as there's ranges because again like sometimes they have gold pickup covers and that's going to be more expensive right but the modern has the cheapest uh, pickups. Those are like between 99 and 129. Okay. The original connect, uh, collection, which is like the main line, which is going to have most of the stuff in it. Those are between 119 and 169 each. And then the historic collection does get a bit more expensive. Those are uh, between 229 and then 289 for the gold humbucker. Seems like a nice like upgrade, though. I mean, that's not a bad, not a bad price. I'll tell you what, my friend. I busted out my 335 this week because you reminded me how good that guitar is yeah you're like you should play it and i and i agreed with it's you. sitting right there and it's sitting out and i freaking love that guitar i was kind of thinking i like the pickups in here but i wouldn't mind experimenting with something else hmm. what if i tossed a pair of customers? does that have originals in, in it no oh mm-hmm. you might as well yeah do it i think the neck is original with the bridges and i can't remember but i know i'm positive the bridge isn't original it's pretty hot fuck it fuck it that's how i was thinking about it all right. As long as we're talking about Gibson, um, I wanted to mention another thing, mostly as sort of an, <clears throat> an update from last week, because we were talking about 
Gibson acoustic guitars and yeah, how we sort of like haven't like they sort of the the whole player port thing dropped off. Oh the face yeah, of the earth. yeah. Literally today, I got a press release about the new Gibson Generation Collection, uh, which the first guitar in that is called the G G Bird, which okay. is inspired by the Hummingbird. And it's basically it's like a it's a square shoulder dreadnought, just like you know those guitars are, but it's a little more sort of uh, plain looking. I would say it's like a just a natural top. The it has the the inlays that you might have seen where it's it's a, almost sort of Art Deco looking, where it's like these very thin slivers that come from the side of the fretboard and then like switch over to the other side when it gets to the 12th fret. Mm. They're pretty subtle, but um, it has those. And then as I'm sure you figured out by now, it has a player port. Uh, so, so they're, they're still they're doing, doing it. it. Oh yeah. They're they're the, according to the video that I watched, they're really going to start doing it. And they, I mean, this was over a year ago, probably that they released the original player port. Yeah. Idea. Close to a year and a half ago. Yeah, I was going to say, but the, they're still, these guitars are, these are USA made in Montana. So these are like, you know, full-on real deal gibson acoustics you know what's funny i i do follow gibson acoustic on one of my things for my mm-hmm. feed and i don't see a lot of those for sale so maybe people are digging them yeah i'm not sure maybe they, i don't know how much they ever even got out into the market that's like, another you thing. don't see them yeah we had access to one we did we had a couple of them around, yeah and so, they're they're good guitars i yeah. like them but they're it's i still think it's kind of goofy yeah i don't know I'm sure what would you pay uh what would you think the average guitarist that they're going to target with this guitar would pay for this gibson generation collection g bird hmm well i i was a little disappointed to find out that faded series last week turned out to be quite pricey they're expensive in my opinion yeah so yeah i'm gonna i'm just gonna go ahead and say two grand close 17.99 okay yeah, yeah. comes with the case taxes and, and fees stuff. and shipping Whatnot. you're gonna be up in two grand you're gonna be up there uh it looked it looked and sounded good i i kind of like it but um you know not much to say about it other than the fact that it's like they're listening and they're like yo your buds <laughs> that was quick we're gonna toss you a little bone <laughs> yeah they're like five days later called we've the, got this g bird nice yeah not bad uh we've been talking about this a lot this week so we might as well get into it here fender announced a new collection of guitars and yeah. bases called the fender american vintage two why is it called vintage two did they already do american vintage is that why that's what you have your your mine's the avri okay american yeah. vintage reissue okay uses, technically. Right. so this is this is like the sequel to that i think it's the sequel i didn't know that okay because they have the american original is another one that that's one did. and yeah they've done all, they they've had, had a lot of different american names and stuff they have they have they keep changing it and i wonder if that's like a licensing thing where they have to change it every few years maybe could just be marketing yeah i'm that, not sure that's true too but this American Vintage 2 series, people seem to be positive about them. For the most part. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I'm a fan. What do you, Okay. I'm a big fan. Again, let me just say, yeah, let, this isn't like Fender Gear and Gibson Gear Buds propaganda. I feel like we talk about this all the time, and they're the biggest brands, but also they're the biggest brands. So maybe they, it's, we're Gear Buds. We should just talk about that. They do good that, marketing, so. yeah. So that said, let's talk about these guitars because I think they're kind of interesting. They what's, look kind of cool to me. Well, what's funny is, man, we... So I think this article or this release idea uh-huh. or what press release, whatever you want to call it, came out on Monday or Tuesday. Yeah. We, we've been talking about it since, and I know we both had long weeks, but yeah. I thought we talked about it last week. Right. That's how, that's how much I've seen this online now. People are really, really I've seen mostly positivity about it, I think. Yeah. And, and it's because what they've done with these, and so there's a bunch of strats, a bunch of tellies they did. Jazzmaster. Jazzmaster, P-Bass, and one uh, jazz bass. Th- th- a lot of times they'll do a quote unquote reissue 
It'll be like, this is a 51 whatever body blue. And then it'll be like pretty close, but they'll like still kind something of quite a, yeah, a little bit change off. something a little bit. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's kind of big things that they change. Yep. With these, they really, really specifically were like, we want to get to like spec for spec, love it or hate it, whatever, like what they made that year, that's what we want to make yeah. in these guitars, which I think is a good idea. Me too. Me too. So they did tellies for 51, 63, 72, 75, 77, and then a strat from 57, 61, and 73. Then there's a 54 and a 60 P bass, a 66 jazz bass, and a 66 jazz master. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to stop at the jazz master for a second because I know you disagree with me in some ways, but they're talking about this 66 reissue as the first time they've ever reissued this guitar. And I happen to have owned and played yes. a 66 reissue yes. jazz master for years. But the Jam 66, yes. The Jam 66B specifically. Yes. But. It was made in Japan. It was. And these are made in the US of A. Yes, good old America. Um, and I think that's where they can get away with saying that. Yeah. Um, and these, you know, to be fair, I would assume have a nitro finish. Your Japanese definitely that was had a definitely poly- coated in plastic yeah. for sure. Yep. It has all, um, well, 95% of the Japanese market. You know, that's interesting. I, I, I'm not sure. I didn't. I didn't actually look if they for the because you know at a certain point I what did, when did they when did Fender start making stuff with poly would that have been like I mean mid seventies no nineteen sixty eight so, okay so yeah I'm wondering if the, at, like for the seventy two seventy five seventy seven stuff if they actually mm. are making those coating those it's a good question or if they're going with a with a nitro that's a really good question um and I I think even nowadays they do it a little different than they did back then where they're it is different there's yeah. a thin poly coat over the nitro it's not going to wear as fast as it did back in the sixties. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they do that just to preserve it. Cause you know, believe it or not, most people don't like their guitars to get beat up. Unfortunately, me and you, Hank. Yeah. We like them getting beat, <laughs> but, uh, beat, beat up and looking but nice yeah, I and would, warm. Man, if that 66 that they release now, mm-hmm. by the way, has the blocks and binding on blocks it. and matchy headstock, matchy headstock, which mine did not. Well, cause not all burst, of them did, right. but yeah. But, um, I think if that came in poly, I would be like, no, this is lame. dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it has to, I mean, it has to have their nitro. Lame. So lame, dude. bro. Yeah, I agree, man. Uh, the the I think the thing that I'm actually most excited about with these is that something that's kind of bugged me is that people talk a lot about Fender wide range pickups, mm-hmm. and I and most people don't realize that what Fender has been calling their quote unquote wide range pickup is not the same at all as what they were when they first came out, right? They because be they're like they're big humbuckers and larger larger than a standard size what we call a standard size humbucker at this point the gibson size right yes. they're bigger than that and mm-hmm. and fender was making like just basic they were basically just making like a regular humbucker and putting it with a cover that kind of looks like the old wide range ones for a sure. long time with these guitars they're actually making real wide range humbuckers like the again, way they first like they did, did in the 70s cool. and they're putting them in there now that's really cool yeah i dig that a lot yeah. man um they're cunefe which is the three what is it uh uh, nickel, iron, what's CU? I don't remember. I'm cuneiforpious. Going to the uh, science, going to periodic t- table of elements. We're going right up and down the periodic <laughs> table. Yeah, so it's those on those, the 72, 75, and 77 tellies, which um, I think are awesome. It's like that, the telly deluxe that. style, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. That's very so cool. So I'm, I'm into that. With the, the uh, with like the strat headstock on it, too. Which the big like. fat the over big headstock. Yeah, those guitars really, are so cool. I mean, look, man, I look at enough vintage fenders, they nailed the look of these things. They look really good. I haven't played one yet. I haven't heard one no. yet, which we may have to take a trip over to CME. I, I, I watched the I watched the Reverb and Fender videos okay, on cool. it, but I haven't actually played one, obviously. Oh, I think I, I sent you one demo of it. I think it was Fender's demo, yeah. but I was like, God, that the Jazzmaster sounds so fucking good. 
They did a great job making him look and sound good, and what I've seen so far. Yeah, and 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 they are they're not cheap. Guitars. No, they're, not. they're they're creeping into what used to be custom shop territory. I will yeah, say. Yeah, yeah, but they are they are in my opinion, and I think factually extremely <laughs> not just in my, my opinion, opinion is fact. in my opinion are, is fact they are they are right on par with uh how much just a standard american would cost yeah standard they, americans well, now, are two grand yeah right and we're and looking these at are that range. at the bottom like for the fifth i think the cheapest there's like a 57 63 telly those are uh 2049 mm-hmm. and then the most expensive is the 66 jazz master 2399 yeah. everything Which else is sort like, of sits in between if you think about it the Jazzmaster's always been like the premium model. They've always been more expensive than Tellys or Strats. It's true. So it's kind of cool that they're doing like the pricing the same way too, where it's not just about demand, but it's like, no, this has more op- options on it tonally, so it's going to cost more. I, I do also know, I feel I find it telling that they didn't make a Jaguar. Now speaking to your oh. previous hate on the Jaguar, because usually that's always, at least Dude, they'll toss one in there. That is a really good call, man. They didn't They didn't even throw, I mean, there's what, two P bases and a Jazz base? I think that makes sense based on what their sort of normal lineup is like. So I'm going to get a little bass boy on you Let's for do a it. second, because I am very excited about two things that they're doing right yes. now. Uh, one is that 54 P base, mm-hmm. which would be the 51 to 56 if you're, you know, being technical. Like this telly, telly base, headstock, but yeah. with the single coil. Um, the the American series, aside from Custom Shop, has never released this style of guitar. They've only been made in Japan. I don't even think, what. Yeah, I don't even think Mexican has made one. Um, they've made in Mexico. They had the Sting base that was Japanese. Yeah. They had the reissue, which is Jap- the the J fifty one or no the P fifty one they called it. Yeah. So literally, this is the first time America, aside from Custom Shop, that they've released this base. I I can promise you. Wow. Yeah. That's I, weird. Yeah. So I'm really excited about this because I would spend. We were just talking. I was yeah. like, I would spend two grand on one of those because like. Yeah, I can't afford a real fifties P base. That'd be ten grand. Yeah. So to me, and I don't really want a custom shop. What about what about going back to the like the late sixties ones where that when they did them? Right. That was so that was the Telecaster base. Yeah. They called it. They changed the name. But it's similar the pickup. Same thing, right? Yeah, essentially the same. And actually, they went back to the slab body for that. Yeah. Where I have a feeling the fifty four is going to have the contoured top on it. I haven't looked seen it close in, enough. In the fifty four that we're talking about now, the Fender American. Yeah, range. I believe in fifty three or fifty four is when they started to change the. They made it so it wasn't a slab body at the yeah, top. Yeah, the, the where the armrest would be. Yeah. So I'm excited about that. And here's what I'm really excited yeah. about. Yeah. Because they didn't just do like the sixty six, the jazz bass. They did the Datsun binding, which is technically a late sixty five, early sixty six jazz bass. Because the characteristics of a sixty six has the blocks on the board. Mm-hmm. So they started with dots. Then they added binding to the dots, and then they took the dots away and added the blocks to I the end. The binding and dots is a sick look. It's a sick look, and it's a more rare look. Mm-hmm. So to me, like that's what uh, Johnny's got a sixty six. That's dots and binding. It's mm-hmm. it's like you never see those. Um, so to me, that's kind of cool that they're like, hey, we're making something that like you really can't find in the vintage market. We're gonna make it available. Love that. I'm not, and they have the lollipop tuners, which I'm a big fan of. I, you know, you like the lollipops. More I like than them. I, okay. do. I mean, no, I like the I like the long stem yeah. uh, pre CBS, but it's kind of cool that they have them. If, if that's, that's what what's used. accurate, that's accurate. that's 100 yeah. percent what they used. So it's kind of neat that they did that. Now we did talk about the colors. A little disappointed in the color options. They only have a white for this jazz bass specifically. Mm-hmm. They have a white. They have a seafoam green, which looks a little too green in the photos. I think we're gonna oh, have to debate that. Yeah, the, the, it was a little oversaturated. We're gonna have to. Yeah, it. Uh, it. Yeah, we're gonna have to kind of see that in person. Mm-hmm. Um, that was I, the only one that really stuck out to me like that with the finish. Where I was like, that seems 
wrong. The white looks really cool with the mm-hmm. matching headstock. Love and then that. the sunburst, which is fine. Yeah. You know, but I think if I'm going to buy one, I'm gonna get, not what I'm going to get after. a custom color. Now, here's my other question I want to say. Mm. And uh, I didn't look into the specs. Are we talking real rosewood boards? And they didn't use Powell Ferro or whatever it's called. I would the be Terra series uses Palfero. Yeah, I would be real shocked if they're not using Indian real? Indian rosewood. It's yeah. of course it's not Brazilian. Not Brazilian, but, right? Yeah, I would I would imagine they're using Indian rosewood. Because I on saw that. one the other day. Is there another wood called like laurel or something like yeah. that? There, laurel I've wood. seen laurel on some fretboards too. Laurel tree. Yeah, I've seen that too. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious about that. But yeah, other than that, man, I'm I'm fucking stoked. I'm for positive these on these things. I feel good. I feel like I want to try all of them, mm-hmm. and I and I think Fender did a really good job. They like you said at the beginning of this, they have never come out with something where they nailed every speck mm-hmm. of like what it was to to recreating it now. Aside from custom shop, really, exactly. So it's cool, man. It's it's better for the consumer. It's better. Good job, Fender. We like you guys. Uh, one more pretty cool pedal I want to talk about because it's from a company I've never heard of before. It's a pedal that I didn't hear anything about until I saw actually a really dope. You know, I like Anderton's uh, web uh, presence, and I've been watching their videos for over a decade, and and I still do from time to time. And uh, they demoed with uh, uh, what's his face, the uh, the the guy who plays the purple guitar on those videos. I don't know, uh, Pete is his name. Mm. Anyways, uh, amazing player, and they and this pedal is the company is called Kernom. K-E-R-N-O-M. They're made in France, and uh, it is a an overdrive pedal. And I don't even believe I have the actual name of the pedal on here, which is really funny. I'm trying to find it right now. <laughs> but it's they only make one pedal. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's this, this new thing that they're making. And so what it is is they've actually patented technology for this fully analog overdrive pedal. So... Just let that sink in. It's not like they've patented some sort of, you know, freaking DSP, like a shark processor chip technology. This They've actually patented some new analog technology that they're bringing to this overdrive distortion pedal, Interesting. Which is interesting. Uh, so it's called the Analog Morphing Core, and it's a patented approach to electronic clipping circuits developed by this company. They uh, The pedal is, like I said, it's an overdrive pedal. Everything about this pedal to me screams attention to detail. Let me just say, even the enclosure that it comes in, it's kind of like a, you know, maybe like double size, slightly bigger than normal pedal, but it's a completely 100% unique design. It's not like they bought some box from somewhere and it almost kind of looks like it almost has like this art deco. look, it's all white, super clean with like very clean design, everything, two foot switches, I think six knobs. And so... It has a couple of knobs like you'd find on any sort of pedal, like a, a a volume or a drive or whatever. But then there are a couple knobs that are that do different stuff. Okay. And so one of them is this analog morphing core. And so like it basically, you switch the sort of like overall characteristic with this knob going from one direction to the other. Not like, you know, dark or like or it's, it's not, not it's like, like a, a more base, or less. It's type not thing. right. No, it's yeah, it's different. A right. different type of characteristic thing. And so. I'm going to get to, oh, it's called The Ridge. Haha. Oh, no, no. Yeah, I think it's The Ridge. I don't know. Anyways, uh, it's nonlinear. It's not like, again, it's not like just like a pot on a capacitor. It's this very special patented technology that they've done. It also has uh, and basically d- these two knobs that work together where it's one controls the input gain. So you can really 
tailor it specifically to the instrument that you're plugging into it. And then the other one controls the output gain, which really controls the way it interacts with the front of whatever amp that you're using. And none of this matters, right? Like if it, you've got a bunch of knobs and stuff like that, it does who cares if it doesn't sound good. <laughs> I watched I watched this demo where they I mean they used a Telecaster and a Les Paul and okay. like a Marshall and a Fender and you know switch back and forth and they were able to I mean to my ears on this pedal board they had this pedal setup mm-hmm. they had uh ts808 okay over, uh, tube oh, so they a beat it with some stuff. they had an ov- original vintage silver clon centaur and they had um what was the other pedal that they had on there there Rat were three i'm trying to remember what it was oh the uh analog man king of tone which okay. is like unobtainium as well huh. and i'm telling you they were able to dial these in with like they just had them all on a switcher and they were able to go back and forth and, and to, they were able to make this one pedal sound oh, fucking identical to all, of those? to all of those pedals. No shit. Yes, it was. I, I so like I it was. It, they actually made a really normally for like a a single pedal demo. It's maybe like a 15, 20 minute video. This yeah, is like maybe. a fifty minute video, oh, and I like just had hour. it on in the wow. background, and I would like c- come in and out of it and. I could close my eyes and they were switching back and forth and I literally could not tell the difference. Really? Spe- especially with the Tube Screamer and the Klon. The the King of Tone, they got very, very close. Yeah. I could tell that there was a difference, but like... Not enough to really, like, like it would matter. Right. And the really impressive thing, the King of Tone is two circuits in mm-hmm. one. And so you can cascade them into... They were able to make this one pedal sound pretty close to even having two wow. pedals cascaded into each other. No shit. And it's just six knobs. It's not like... A ton, and you're really only switching like the mood, like that sort of analog morphing knob, mm-hmm. and then the input and output gain, like, and then there's like an overall sort of tone that you know as well. But the it was really kind of like the three knobs is you, you he was tweaking the most, and within like a few seconds was able to get close to all these. Really, pedals. yeah, dude, dude. And so not only that, it's this like fully analog pedal. However, it has full midi control so you can plug any sort of midi controller into it and not only have up to 128 presets of different tones you can also in real time with a midi controller or like uh whatever you however you have it set up control all the parameters of this pedal too so use the pedal through like a keyboard midi keyboard exactly or like a midi like a mixer with like faders on it or it also has an expression pedal input, so you can plug an expression pedal and oh, then control shit. different parameters. You can control the drive level, boost your mids, blend two different tones together, go, you know, whatever however you want to do it. It's uh, it's pretty cool, man. Damn. Yeah. I'm a, so this is just due to their. It is called the Ridge. Okay. Okay. Cool. Phew, yeah. All right. Just yeah. I'm glad we cleared. We got that there. Up. This is all due to that patent technology that. The patented technology specifically is for this analog morphing knob mm. which is one of the knobs but that's basically. what changes the the, the different that's pedal. like the overall sort of like characteristics of the sound of do you the think circuit do you think it would be hard to dial in the different pedals that you want to find and i wonder what the in between of everything well i mean do. obviously the they had the dude craig anderton the owner he he does this a lot but yeah. he's not like a genius engineer or anything yeah. he's like a pretty normal dude so i feel like he dialed it in he and got it real quick yeah. and then you can even so it, it is fully midi compatible on the pedal itself it has a preset so you can have a preset stored oh shit. and then jump back and forth so basically oh, you can perfect. have like whatever you set on your say like your rhythm sound you just like turn the knobs set that wow you have your lead sound preset you can just jump between the two i love that yeah so it's oh one more thing that i want to mention about it that i think is really cool and i haven't seen so it just it's a standard nine volt input Mm -hmm. like you you know your boss 
center negative style input, but there's uh, technology built into it that some pedals do this where, where they'll ramp up the voltage and in, internally it'll like, you'll plug it in and then, you know, it'll ramp it up to like 18 volts for you. And that gives you more headroom, yada, yada. This one goes up to 30 volts. Okay. So the, I, it, it gives you, it's just, I've, I've never seen that. That doesn't mean it's like good or better or anything. Yeah. I just thought that it was interesting that that actually can ramp it up Get all the way to power 30, 30 volts, which is, you know, for more headroom and, and whatnot. So Dude. I think it's awesome. I want one. Uh, there, they also, there was a pretty cool video where they, um, actually plugged in a super futuristic looking like multi touchpad MIDI controller. And then we're also, we're controlling the pedal with that, which was kind of neat. Really? Uh, but you can totally use it just as like the best, most versatile overdrive and it gets into fuzzy territory too. I would say it doesn't fully get to like rip in fuzz face, but they got, they got a pretty you can nasty find sound. It. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but mostly it, it nails all the overdrives. As you Dude, I want to play with it, man. That's fucking hmm. sweet. Save that for later, buddy. <laughs> what do you think this French boutique company is charging oh, boy. for the Kernom Ridge pedal? And you said this is the only thing they make. Yeah, I think that they're already working to apply it to like maybe some other pedals, but as far as I can tell, this is the only thing they got. Um, I bet it's not cheap because it's a lot in one. I'm gonna say like 400 bucks. You know, my friend, 299. Oh, yeah, love it. So it's still expensive, but certainly, yeah, you you might. I I wouldn't have been surprised, like you said, if it was 400, 399 bucks. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Seems like it. Um, is it out now? Can we pre-order? What are we doing? It's a. I think it's a pre-order sitch right now. But um, they, like I said, Anderton's had one and they did a demo for it. So at least like they're sending it to retailers. It's a real product. Yeah. And dude, it's it's like we were talking about before. Like I'm I'm a little bit more these days of a of a, an overdrive and distortion than a fuzz guy. Like sure, I, this could this could this could this, this could, could easily it. replace things that I have on my board right now. Yeah, I mean, look, I've always had the opinion that like if you can get damn close to something, yeah, no one's probably going to be able to tell the difference unless they can see your pedal board you know what i mean like the clon sound and all that stuff yeah i i was shocked there are plenty of pedals that are clones and that do like yeah. the sounds of other pedals and, and even pedals that are modeled that that will do multiple things but how quickly he was able to take analog circuitry and just like tweak these few knobs and get to like really pretty different sounds mm-hmm. like yeah they're all overdrive pedals i know we're talking about shades of gray but like those are pretty different like the, oh, the, yeah. the Klon, you know, I mean, they were able to get the sort of like clean, transparent boost thing that everyone really likes from those, but then also gain it up and get that sound and then go over to the, the tube screamer, which has like a really specific honky mid hump that yep. you've got to get and cu- cut all the bass out. And then like the King of Tone has almost a little like to me, that one has a, it kind of sounds more like a, a tweed amp when you turn it up a little bit. It's like almost like a a rattier overdrive kind of sound, yeah. like a cool looseness to the bottom end. It was able to get that. And it, uh, I get excited about a lot of pedals on this show, but I got real excited about this one. Let me ask you this. Uh, Cause there's, you said there's a lot of knobs and, and fidgety. It's, fun it's, it's really not that many. It's six knobs, it's, two switches. It's good. Yeah. Um, can you blend two preset tones? I think you can do uh, probably within the software. I think that you, there's no software. Oh, it's okay. You, I think you can, what you can do is basically, use an expression pedal you could do two things if you just plug an expression pedal in you could use set that to control the mood knob Mm -hmm. i don't think you can have that control multiple things at once but if you run with with midi control you can yeah i mean the the sky's the limit you could you could blend whatever the fuck you want dude i'm in that's fucking awesome man so 299 go check it out kernom.com i think i think i want one 
My friend, that has been a lot of talking. Yeah, that's been a lot of gear, but it's dark out We're now. We're getting used to this. Uh, this we this have to get thing. a little like clap on light, like you said last yeah, week. Yeah, a little ja- maybe a jack o' lantern. Oh, dude, set the Halloween mood. I have. <laughs> I was actually just talking about. I have literally zero Halloween decorations. Aww. Like I just have I never owned one, Halloween man. decorations. I, I used to have a bunch of different themed Lego sets, that, and I still have a few, but I never had like a full on Halloween. Dude, it's all about uh, hitting up CVS for the cheap Halloween decorations. Yeah, man. I want to get some like pumpkin lights or something yeah, like that. Yeah, you, you should, know? man. I should cool. do that. What's the day? That's the 14th. Yeah, yeah, you got a couple weeks. a couple weeks. Yeah. Fuck it. Let's do it. All right. Well, my friend, all this right. has been a gas. It's been a blast. almost lost my voice for the amount of talking I've been doing. It's a great time, one. man. It's a great time. So, folks, we love you. Thank you for making it to the end. And if you did make it to the end, why don't you go make some music?